Hello and welcome back to yet another Let's Talk edition of the BTP podcast here with Daniel Mulligan. How's it going, Dan? What up, my man, buddy? How are you? How's it going? Life could not have been any better. I mean, we're just post the election and uh, Biden officially uh, won the election today. As of now, all the basically almost all the votes have been counted. So life is amazing. And more importantly, I'm so glad to be here with you uh, after a while because we were super busy involved with the election and uh, a few other things. And now we're back for another Let's Talk edition at this, you know, amazing moment right now. So I'm pretty happy and couldn't be, you know, happier to be here with you talking about all the cool things we want to share, hopefully, with our listeners. Absolutely. I, I've been eagerly waiting to start recording this episode. And uh, hopefully a couple of days after the recording, the audience will hear it, um, or maybe even sooner. But we we sit on this for a few few days, I think 11 days since the day of the election to to talk about it mainly because so first of all the few uh five four four five few days uh, obviously nothing was clear and there was a mayhem after that so we're going to talk about all of that obviously but now we got a chance so yes officially uh, biden seems to be the president-elect although donald trump really doesn't like that and keeps coming up with excuses so today we're basically what the intention is to talk about what are the impacts of all of this uh, around the world and um, what are the impacts of um, Trump being Trump for for democracy and the U.S. Oh um, political system as a whole? And who who better than to talk about this with than you? Um, okay, so what is your general take on all of this, very broadly? Well, first of all, I think this was one of the best elections the U.S. ever experienced, probably the most historic election that we can think of, because there was a lot at stake at stake during this election not only for America, but for the entire world, including what it really means to you know, live in a democratic society. So uh, I think that this election also uh, was in a way very unique in that it t- took place during a pandemic. Now, of course, the United States has experienced other tough elections during even civil wars, but this one really happened at a time where America was the most divided and the economy was the most hurt and uh, the pandemic had damaged basically the economy far uh, basically too much for it to actually uh, be ignored by the voters. But then again, America was also facing with a lot of other issues, including a racial, uh, basically a crisis, where we felt that despite all of our advancements in the modern technologies and in other areas of life, culturally and uh, educationally, we're still seeing this racism running rampant. And that's where the Black Lives Matters movement actually got started this year along with uh, a focus on bringing uh, into awareness what it really means to be a black man in America and what it means for other minorities, including, uh, let's say, for example, the Muslims, let's say uh, Middle Easterns, let's say those who come from minority backgrounds, people of color. So this was a, I think, a turning point during this election where uh, Americans decided that once and for all, they are not going to stand for a lot of the values that they escaped from they or their parents or their grandparents uh, when they moved to the United States. After all, the U.S. was this uh, nation made by immigrants and people who went there uh, basically generations ago, they all wanted one thing, to live in a free society where they are not judged by the color of their skin. Uh, but ultimately, uh, having seen what has happened so far in this election and all the ups and downs, it really was probably one of the most dramatic elections even more so than what we had earlier with George Bush and Al Gore mm-hmm. in the year 2000, basically, and how it changed almost everything uh, for uh, the world. But fortunately, we did not engage with so much uh, election fraud because this time 
Unfortunately, uh, as was announced by almost all experts, this was indeed the most secure election because there were so many threats. I mean, Trump right now is accusing fraud for the election, not knowing that uh, basically the U.S. officials were quite prepared for this, given the fact that in 20, you know, 2016, it was Trump who benefited from a lot of these uh, basically a vote fraud, if you will, in that uh, many nations, allegedly Russia especially, got involved with trying to involve and influence uh, basically uh, uh, the election and, and the results uh, in, in favor of Donald Trump, obviously. So uh, now, that, of course, somebody who is accused of that background obviously would then assume that, yeah, this is like what, how everybody does it. So probably there's got to be some sort of you know fraud going on. But the fact of the matter is that Trump, like all the other uh, basically Republicans, and uh, the right-wing extremists will have to come to you know, an agreement on this and to have to somehow acknowledge the fact that they were defeated uh, by a large majority. Uh, as of today, as of right now, uh, almost 78 million Americans have voted for uh, Joe Biden. This is a historical number. This is unbelievable, unheard of, and just quite frankly, a clear sign of victory, not just by the left or by the liberals, but, you know, I think by almost all modern population who are rather sensible, educated, and they understand that we need a change and that by going back through time and trying to legalize, I don't know, things like coal mining, getting out of, you know, uh, very important, uh, basically, pacts such as the Paris, Paris Agreement and other things, we cannot have a good future, uh, which is why I personally uh, uh, think of this election to be one of the best ever because it really happened at a time where change was needed. And fortunately, the American people actually have decided uh, and they made their voice heard, despite the fact that this was a pandemic, despite the fact that Trump wanted to create so many limitations for those who wanted to vote by mail, given the fact that they could not leave their houses. Uh, now we've seen the results. And fortunately, uh, we are happy to announce that as of now, uh, Mr. Biden is no longer uh, basically a former vice president, but the president-elect. And fortunately, by January 20th, we're going to actually see a lot of changes that are currently being done gradually, uh, basically go out of the way as uh, Joe Biden will hopefully on that day be inaugurated. And we'll, we'll hopefully we'll see a great future for not only America, but the rest of the world. Well, wow, that's great. Yeah, I mean, there, there has been a lot of problems. But before we go further, we, we go on to everything. But do you think he will, by, by he, I mean, Trump, do you think he will ever uh, officially concede? Well, uh, legally speaking, Trump is not legally obliged to concede, nor is he legally right. obliged to attend uh, the inauguration of uh, basically uh, Joe Biden. So he's not legally obliged. And given the fact that he's not legally obliged and that he's a businessman, which means he probably will not do anything that he's not legally obliged, uh, especially if it's not going to you know, serve him or serve his image, uh, he probably will not. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that uh, he cannot simply just barricade himself in the White House and say, oh, I don't care, you guys, you all have the fraud. It's all not true. He can't do that anymore uh, because I really believe that Donald Trump was a reality TV president. And we have seen in the past four years, what he's done was nothing more than just a traumatic experience that was uh, in no way presidential, and he took his, you know, reality TV mindset from the, you know, the TV show Apprentice. You're fired. I'm gonna fire everybody here now. And he actually recently even fired Esper, which is just incredibly, uh, you know, uh, just preposterous uh, to even, you know, think about that. But ultimately. We have seen him uh, as a man who is in deep need for attention to create this, you know, these series of dramas. 
And he literally, I think he even saw his presidency as a TV show. In many cases, he did, he did actually produce uh, certain uh, basically posters and certain photos of him showing things that were very cinematic and not so much political in nature. I mean, if you just take a look at the back of the past four years, he would have made, take all these photos that are so cinematic, like, oh, yeah, the sanctions are coming, baby, and to be followed on the next episode. So, like, he <laughs> perhaps, you know, thought of that, basically. I don't know how he did it. I know that he definitely, you know, was a probably a bug in the system because the reason that I personally was so much involved in this is because I really wanted some answers. Because if Donald Trump would have won another term, that would have meant that he's the kind of person that is fit and ready to lead, uh, you know, uh, the United States of America. And that is simply, from my point of view, quite frankly, un unacceptable because that's not the kind of man that represents anything American, basically, especially in the you know, global community that I am a part of. So for that reason, uh, now that he's a one-term president, this clearly shows to the whole world that Donald Trump was not the system. He was a bug in the system that fortunately was quickly removed because if he would have won another term, he was no longer a bug in the system, but the system itself. But now the whole world knows that no one can lead like Trump, and get a second term. It's just not possible. Although given his background and uh, what he thinks he could do with his power, he perhaps had his own delusions of what he could do as a dictator, as probably the first dictator in the U.S. You know, history. But fortunately, the Constitution is uh, much stronger than that, and it's uh, you know written in a way that make, makes sure that the president cannot be a king or a dictator. And fortunately, that's what we're going to see so far. And despite all of his allegation, allegations regarding what has happened, uh, almost all legal experts have mentioned that the election was fully monitored uh, for the true reasons. Because number one, the U.S. officials were on edge the entire time because of the threat of hacking that, you know, was uh, basically, uh, you know, always uh, in the corner. As you probably know, the 2016 election was very, very uh, basically, uh, you know, controversial in that we thought there were so many nations who were involved with this, mainly Russia, to try to hack the election and try to change the results. So for that reason, this time around, the U.S. officials were quite aware, on edge, ready to, you know, tackle the problems of any possible intrusion, which is why this was uh, dubbed the most secure election in the U.S. history, given the fact that we knew there were a lot of threats. Uh, we we wanted to make sure that you know this is not going to be a you know major issue and that many nations do not influence the election basically which is why this was done and obviously uh, even like if you look at like social media many of Trump's tweets were actually being censored for the first time in the U.S. history can you believe that where uh, we are seeing a president's uh, tweet are being actually censored by you know let's say Twitter. And uh, the reason was because he was propagating certain uh, basically false information and uh, allegations that were simply not true, nor based on facts. So because of this, not only I believe this was one of the most secure elections in the U.S. history, I think it's one of the best. I, I, after the election, uh, basically, I got a, a text from uh, one of my followers like, Dan, uh, I heard there were some dead people voting. Well, first of all, were you there yourself? Did you? examine the votes? Did you check the names and the signatures? I mean, there were so many mail votes that actually got discredited because of their, you know, signature. I mean, let's be honest, voting by mail is not an ideal way to vote because you actually have a much higher chance of not being able to vote than being able to vote. Because even if your signature 
does not match what you have already submitted, you are not going to be able to, you know, make your voice heard. So your voice is not going to be counted. It's going to be discredited. So in such a system where even a slight tweak in your signature can make your vote uh, basically uh, dismissed, you think that a dead person can vote? I mean, it just really makes no sense in my opinion. So all of these allegations are false. This was the most secure election in the U.S. history, as proven by all the experts, and not by those who have won or lost, but by those who are in the middle, those who, whose job it is to control and you know watch over the election, basically. So there are a lot of rumors that that people voting, I don't know, uh, people uh, voting five five thousand times, as was mentioned by one of uh, Trump's uh, basically lawyers. But as of now, almost none of the legal cases have been, actually gone through, and uh, I'm not even sure if Trump really wants to go with recount. Because if he does, he has to, of course, spend a lot of don you know donation money. Although one of my friends said, like Dan, who just wants to get the money and just uh, you know keep it for himself, he's not going to actually go for the recount. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But as of now, uh, everything is quite clear, and the whole world knows that Joe Biden is uh, the 46th president of the United States. Most uh, statesmen around the world have already uh, congratulated uh, Joe Biden. Uh, there, of course, there are always a few exceptions, Putin being one of them, for the obvious reasons. Uh, and uh, even like uh, many such uh, leaders who were uh, vehemently against a democratic approach and who were, you know, stark supporters of uh, basically uh, Donald Trump, including uh, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and uh, the king of Saudi Arabia, they, they both have already congratulated uh, Joe Biden. This means that even those nations who were benefiting from those very few nations, because Trump has already lost a lot of allies, those very few nations who were benefiting, supposedly benefiting from Trump's uh, preposterous policies themselves have already uh, congratulated, you know, basically Joe Biden and have realized that Donald Trump is not going to be in the White House any longer. So that is why I believe that this election is pretty much, uh, you know, a uh, pretty much over. And we know who the president is. We know who the next president will be. And obviously, uh, we, are, we couldn't be any happier than this. Yeah, well, uh, makes sense. Um, now, I, you mentioned, yes, I mean, obviously, 78 million people voted for Biden. But we also cannot really discount the fact that 72 million people voted for Trump, and maybe for good You're reason right. that they had. And exactly. I think it's really paramount that, I mean, there are obviously lots of speculation as why that is. I mean, some are his base, but I don't think like he has 70 million base. I think there's a definitely some sort of um, other, you know, um, reasoning behind it. And a lot of people were attributing that to um, lack of appeal of the opposition um, uh, candidate, mm -hmm. Biden, to those specific people for various reasons, from his political agenda, his age, et cetera. Um, so I think, first of all, it's paramount that we, as, uh, you know, I mean, liberals and dem Democrats on their own, but as a, you know, as a society, we need to understand that appeal that Trump had or lack of appeal rather than the opposition had. Um, what are your thoughts personally on that? Well, first of all, please, to, you know, bear in mind that this election was uh, one of the most, uh, you know, perhaps one of the, uh, if, if not the largest election in the U.S. history in that we had the most Absolutely. number of participants, if you compare right. this to other elections. So uh, once uh, you have almost everybody voting in, especially the, given the fact that uh, there were, you know, uh, mail-in voting allowed on almost all, all states, there are, of course, exceptions and there are different terms and conditions, but generally it was allowed. So that's one of the reasons why Trump actually got more votes this time around than, uh, you know, the, during the last election. But the fact of the matter is that America is divided. 
And I'm really happy that in this situation, Biden's going to be our next president because he was actually not so much uh, so left as opposed to many other candidates who are running the primaries. Because Joe Biden stands for, from my point of view, uh, uh, middle slightly to towards the left, which is why we need him right now uh, to somehow be able to, uh, you know, uh, bridge the gap between uh, the, the, the two sides in the United States of America. Because let's be honest, America is now very divided. It's a, a clear fact. But the, the reason that it is happening right now, it is not because of the government itself or the system, but rather because of the fact that we're going through a transitional cycle. You see, the U.S. has already gone through two major transitional cycles in its history. And uh, because we are now entering a new phase in the American life and, of course, in the global community as a whole, because we are now at, at a moment where we have a major clash between those who have been left behind and those who are making it, which is why states like New York and California have generally uh, mainly been uh, blue states, you know, for the most part, because they are well off. They are, you know, uh, they are quite rich and highly educated. But states basically where, of course, I was very, you know, surprised when I heard Florida actually went back to Trump again. But certain states, uh, we are seeing uh, basically the quality of life degrading. So for that reason, this clash is quite normal. And by the way, I don't believe that this division is going to go anytime, uh, go away anytime soon, even after, you know, Biden is the president, because this is a cycle that America has to go through. And I believe that this cycle probably is going to get a little bit worse. And I think that the worst America will not be even now or in the next few years or after the pandemic, but uh, the U.S. will be at its worst position, I believe, in the year 2028. So the real challenge that, that we will be facing is going to be the next eight years, actually. And only after 2028, as the U.S. enters the next cycle, only then we will hopefully see more stability. Why? Because now we're living in a world, especially like, let's talk about the U.S. right now, where we have so much uh, basically, uh, disparity. And there is a lot of problems with, in terms of how we could, you know, people could make a living. So the world has become more modern, but not everybody is necessarily uh, suitable for a lifestyle uh, that is designed to adapt itself with its technologies, with education. So now we are seeing a major fight among those who've been left behind and those who are not financially as well off versus those who are making it. And that's how, by the way, Trump won the last election because he uh, tried to appeal to those people who felt they're left behind. Uh, let's say a guy says, I'm a truck driver or I used to be a miner and I cannot learn how to use the computer well. I don't wanna go back to school. I don't care about America's commitment to global warming. I just wanna make some, you know, make some money and make ends meet. So for such people with a you know, short-sighted perspective, they are going to demonize uh, those who are perhaps have you know, got a little bit better. And they're simply not gonna care about many of the US commitments to the international community. All they care about is to get their job back and to get back on track, which is why we are seeing this uh, struggle. But if you take a look at history, not only of America, but the world, you realize that whenever we have this division among those who've been left behind and those who are making it, History tends to favor those who are forward-oriented, much more so than those who are backward-oriented. Because in, throughout the history, all civilizations, once one group took the side of the future and one took the side of the past, it was always the, the one that took the side of the future that was actually, in the end, victorious and managed to change the society. Whether we go back to the Roman Empire, whether we go back to, for example, a Renaissance era in Europe, it's always been, of course, in the, U, in the US, this has happened already twice, uh, basically, as we've gone through this. So. In the third uh, transitional cycle in the United States, we inevitably have to face with that struggle. 
and that friction caused by uh, the right, mainly those who are supporting the right wing uh, for uh, keeping America in its current position as the, the rest of America try to take America forward. And this struggle, as we've seen so far, has been manifested in a variety of ways, and uh, it will continue. If you think that this election means it's over, you are mistaken, because this is just the beginning of a lot and, and a series of fights and struggles that the U.S. has to face, as it has already faced twice in the past to go through the third cycle. And once, hopefully, uh, through good leadership, we go through this uh, third cycle, and the U.S. is made more equal, more fair, and people are ready to take part you know, most will already take part in a new economy, in a new world, then hopefully we'll enter the prosperous year of the United States, which hopefully will be around uh, the year 2030 to 2032. And by then we'll see a very, very different world, both in terms of, you know, what happens in the U.S. and geopolitically with our rivals, including China, uh, including Russia uh, and Europe, of course, and many other things. So for me personally, I don't see this victory as the end. I see this as the beginning of the end, and that end is the third cycle. And this is going to take about eight years. So if you think that things are going to get easier, just wait a little bit, just a couple of years, and you're going to see what tension really means. However, given the fact that this has been done twice already, I'm very confident this is going to be also eventually passed. And as we enter the 2030s, hopefully the U.S. will then be a far more unified nation. And that'll, of course, benefit the entire world, I believe. All right. So what I hear you say is buckle up. All right. I'm just kidding. That's exactly uh, what we should do, guys. If you think this is over, just 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 grab some stuff. I don't know. Get, get ready because this is just the beginning of the action. Actually, that's uh, that's encouraging. Yeah, especially that's right. <laughs> well, <laughs> not necessarily for those who are living outside the U.S. So, for example, actually, I'm curious uh, uh, because I'm clearly you know uh, clearly sure about this matter that uh, basically uh, Justin Prudhoe was so much anti-Trump. I mean, I I love to analyze like his body language in the meetings with Trump during the NAFTA agreements and like the way he would like, yeah, thank you, Trump. So like, I would like, I, I found there was just so much uh, distrust and so much, uh, you know, even hatred towards each other. But right now, what is the perspective of, uh, let's say, I don't know, the Canadians regarding uh, the American, you know, election? What are, what are you guys saying actually? Um, I don't know. That's a very good question. Obviously, I didn't survey people, but based on my personal experience and things that I hear around, um, uh, I think Canada actually obviously very culturally, like the rest of the West and even the world, is very impacted by the U.S. But I think there, the divide, um, not to the extreme that the U.S. is experiencing, but I think that divide along the cultural lines and thought um, process exists also in Canada. I mean, there were obviously people who were like individuals, not politicians um, per se, but individuals who were in favor and uh, a fan of Trump, maybe maybe less in terms of uh, pr proportionality than uh, in the U.S., but uh, did, clearly that divide existed here. Um, but you're right, like uh, obviously Trudeau's a uh, uh, different character and he definitely didn't like Trump, especially because of uh, his policies. I mean, um, I mean, name situation. one international leader who actually liked Trump. I cannot, I can't think of like maybe like one or two. And yeah, that's just <laughs> probably because of luck, uh, because he almost literally dissed everyone, all the you know global leaders. So I'm very glad that he will be soon gone because uh, as you probably know, I work in the international community. I work in multiple countries. And what I've seen is the image of America being tarnished and damaged in the past four years. And yeah, uh, uh, I mean, uh, I it was like incredible when you see 
you know, things like we go to Germany, you see, for example, people are using uh, Donald Trump's uh, basically photo in their bathroom. And it's basically like uh, you pretty much have to, you know, do the deed while looking at his face and as you, you know, basically, uh, you know, look around. So you're seeing that in like in Europe, Europe was extremely against uh, Trump because of all the things they did against Europe. The same thing, of course, applies to the Middle East, uh, although there were some exceptions, but mostly it was uh, negative. Basically, Canada was uh, severely hurt. So was Mexico. And I cannot think of so many nations who actually benefit from Trump or even liked him which is why I'm so glad because you have in fact, my major area of activity is international business and commerce. So seeing the fact that we're going to see a lot less tension internationally, although of course the episode with China, thanks to Trump will still stay there and probably will be here for the next eight years until the, the U S can first leave that, you know, uh, third cycle, but still I'm very happy to know that uh, the international uh, basically uh, community will now be a lot more stable in the fact that uh, the power that comes with uh, the White House generally has uh, basically uh, wide uh, effects and it, it could reach uh, basically almost all over the world. And if you have an idiot uh, as the commander in chief, things could get a little bit uh, dangerous. And if you have an idiot as an international policymaker, that could lead to a lot of problems. So fortunately, I'm very glad that at least in the international community, we're gonna now see a shift in the way America is perceived. And of course, as the policies get enhanced over time, we're gonna see hopefully uh, more improvement. Uh, although, as I've already mentioned, and I'm, I've already predicted the election uh, correctly, almost everybody around me said that Trump is the winner. I've been repeatedly seeing since July 3rd that Biden's the winner. And here's my next prediction. Uh, basically, first, number one, keep an eye out for who's going to be our next president. Uh, basically, oh, is there going to be any transition between vice president or president at some point, perhaps? Because I think that the United States, it's time for the U.S. actually have its first uh, female president. And the second thing I would like to uh, predict right now is about what will uh, things, uh, what things will, will it lead to? Because as I already mentioned, we are in the uh, phase, we have to go through this cycle. And that you know transition is gonna be the most difficult at, at this very moment, given the fact that now the division is quite clear. And uh, because of this, we're gonna see a lot of tension. So the US is gonna be affected tremendously by a major inner conflict for the next eight years most of which uh, will be caused by this division. However, for those of you who are perhaps gonna listen to us uh, five, four, three years, five years from now, as the US will face with that crisis, like, oh my gosh, the world is coming to an end. Just like the last election, you probably pan panicked a little bit. I'm telling you right now, if you perhaps got the chance to listen to us back in a, in a couple of years from now, and you were in the middle of that crisis, please do know that that sh uh, shall pass as well, because this cycle is predictable economically, politically, and socially. So we will go through that phase as well. And hopefully things will get better, uh, much better, of course, uh, by the time we reach 2028. And we're going to have basically the next election. So for now, just uh, this is my prediction for the next uh, eight years. Uh, obviously, it's still going to be much better, but uh, there's a lot of work to be done. And of course, that we will have to face with a lot of challenges ahead. But I'm pretty sure that America is fit to deal with that challenge. And hopefully it'll be better for all of us. All right. Um, no, that that sounds interesting. And um, I mean, obviously, there's a lot to be said about all of this, and I'm sure we're going to discuss that. Maybe not not as main main topic, but um, as an intro to other conversations that we have on catch up on the world uh, events. Um, and we, we're going to talk more about this. But before we leave, is there anything that um, you want to talk about that we left behind and didn't talk about? Um, well, for, first of all, uh, Pujix, it's good to you know uh, talk to you basically. 
And uh, generally, uh, today was a great topic, and I'm very happy that uh, Joe Biden is now the president-elect because uh, we could not have possibly imagined what damage it would have caused if uh, we had to go through that third cycle with Trump as the president. It would have led to disastrous consequences because in that situation where the two sides are going at each other, we need a leader who can actually calm both sides down. And of course, Biden will be the best leader. Some people are talking about his age. There's a reason why he is the president. It's not just the fact that he's the vice president of uh, Barack Obama. That age will itself play a role in our next election in 2024. And hopefully it'll lead to some uh, further development in the United States of America in terms, especially with respect to you know female rights and uh, what women can do in politics. But ultimately, uh, we discussed mainly uh, the issue of whether or not this election was fair. And as we've said many times, not only this election was fair, it was the most secure and the most reliable election probably in the U.S. history. So to Donald Trump's dismay, this election was fair. It is over. It is done. Biden is the 46th president. And Trump's right now uh, team are trying their best or trying to fight tooth and nail to get this thing through. But that's pretty much, from my point of view, it's nothing more than trying to save face. And I have no problem with that. I think everybody has the right to try to save their face. Uh, and I think that's precisely what Trump has in mind. He doesn't have to concede. He doesn't have to attend the you know, inauguration of Joe Biden. But uh, for the American people and for the you know, international community around the world, for all of our listeners all over the world, they should know that this election was fair. It was uh, secure. It was reliable. And it was a concrete message sent to the White House and to the world that America will not tolerate dictatorial leaders or will not tolerate anything that is not American, democratic, or uh, that could somehow go against uh, you know, the well-being of uh, the entire global community because America has a, has a role here. America has a responsibility. Uh, there are kids right now, listen to us, who are living in countries that are ruled and governed by dictators. There are people in this, uh, you know, in the, in this world who are living in countries where uh, they had their president for 25 years. There are now people in the streets of Belarus who are still fighting for the rights to for their for their right to actually have their own president elected there are people you know in eastern europe there are people in the middle east there are people all over the world who look at america as an example and it's america's job to uh show the world that democracy works and that while democracy is never ever the best uh, basically uh and, and, and never a perfect system of governance is probably the worst except for all the others and that is why it's best for us to adopt true democracy and allow the people uh, to basically to make their voice heard and uh, you know show and send the message of democracy to all over the world so that hopefully someday we will not have to see things like what we've seen in Belarus or other countries where people are have you know they, they can't they cannot rely on the results of their elections and hopefully this is going to be a good message for all of us all over the world and on that note we come to the end of our today's um, talk I hope Everybody enjoyed, and thank you, Dan, for joining us again. My pleasure, buddy. And thank you all for uh, listening. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you got informed. Uh, please let us know if you have any um, thoughts or comments uh, in the comment section. Um, and until a later episode, have a good one.